morning, we're gonna, we're gonna conclude our series on augmented reality. Augmented reality. And uh, I wanna talk to you about uh, something that has really impacted our culture in a unique way. And it's this idea of things going viral, right? Now, if you're, if you, if you're from my generation, uh, viral, growing up for me, viral wasn't a good thing, right? When you, when you heard viral, that made you think of things like Zika. And uh, anybody here want Zika? Please don't raise your hand, right? But, but there are folks uh, that they really, they, there are folks that now make a living creating videos in hopes that they go viral. And then there are, there, there are, there are videos out there uh, that there was no intention in them going viral, and yet somehow they, they just, they captured uh, the heart of, of a culture. In fact, I, I want to do this. So, so one last time, I'm going to ask the guys to let me take over the, take over the screen. And, uh, and I want to, I want to show you a couple of, a couple of some of my more favorite um, viral videos. This one, I, I love this one. Okay, so this one, 161 million views. Okay, so check these guys out. It's, it's twin talking babies. Seriously, isn't that just the sweetest thing that you've seen in a long time? Right? So, so that one, I, I, like, I, like, the, I like the twin talking babies. Um, this, this was one of the big, um, one of the big early um, viral videos. This is Surprise Kitty. Okay. So you kind of get the idea. So um, I, I want to show you. I want to show you one more. Uh, Jody and I actually. Um, this one's pretty cool because we actually know this person. Okay. So uh, so this is this is this is Candace Payne, uh, and Candace her video. Really nine point nine million views. Okay, I went to Kohl's today. I had to make a couple returns. Ah, stuff didn't fit. Surprisingly, it was a little too big. Thank you. I know some of you may be thinking the opposite. Shame. No, no, no shame. It's so I'm not going to show you the whole thing because the whole thing is okay. about four minutes so, long, but I want to get to the part that's the fun part. She, she, while she was in Kohl's, she saw this toy and she said, I've got to have it, not for her children, but for her. Okay, so this is what I got. Once again, this is for me. Not for Duncan, not for Cadence. I mean, I'll let them play with it. I'm not a bad mom. I'm not a jerk. But in all honesty, at the end of the day, it doesn't go in their toy box. It goes in my room. So here we go. I got to take off my glasses for it. <laughs> oh, naturally. Okay, here we go. So, yes. Now watch when my mouth actually moves. <laughs> Is that not the funniest thing? It, it amazes me the stuff that will go viral, right? That, that, it, that it captures the mind of a generation. It captures the heart, the idea of a generation. 
On Tuesday, we will celebrate not a day where people get candy, right, and dress up in costumes. October 31 is, is a much more significant day than for uh, a holiday like Halloween. October 31st is Reformation Day. Reformation Day. You see, 500 years ago, a man by the name of Martin Luther, he was moved, right? He was concerned. What was he concerned about? Here's what Martin Luther was concerned about. Martin Luther was a man who loved God with all of his heart. Grew up in Germany, grew up a, a, a father who was a, 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 a merchant, a supervisor in the copper industry. And uh, there was lots of conflict between the people in the mines and the people that would work with the copper. And, uh, and his father said, you know what, we need more people that can help navigate this. And so he, he groomed young Martin to go to law school and to become a lawyer because he thought it'd be good to have a lawyer in the family. And, and Martin did very well in school, uh, went off to college in academic studies. But as it was time to start studying a, a law, Martin felt like he was supposed to go a different direction. And he went and he told his father that he really felt like he was supposed to go into the ministry and that he was supposed to become a monk. And that's what Martin did. Martin became a monk. He became uh, very devoted in his studies. And, and the more that he became devoted in his studies, the more that he discovered that there was something significantly wrong. And something had to be done. Martin was, was asked by the local leadership uh, to make a journey from Wittenberg, Germany to Rome. And he was really excited about going to Rome because he thought, wow, I get to go to the holy city. And he imagined what this would be like to be at the place that is the center point of the church. He thought that, that he would find people that were, that were worshiping passionately, people that were, that, that were committed to prayer, and, and, and people that were living out this life that God would have us to live. And he was shocked and horrified when he got to Rome and he found so much disinterest in the church and so much disingenuous religion. It, it startled him. And then he goes back to Germany, he goes back to, 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 to Wittenberg, and he's, he's living his life and, and, and fulfilling his roles as a, as a monk and fulfilling his roles as a priest. When there finally was this issue that was the last straw, and it was this. In, back in Rome, the Pope was wanting to build a new building. Uh, what we now know as St. Peter's Basilica, right? We know now it, it's kind of the center place of the Vatican. It's this big, beautiful, grand building. But in 1517, it was an idea. It was a concept. And this big, grand building was going to be a very expensive to build. And so, how could they fund it? Well, here was the plan that they came up with to fund it. They would sell indulgences, okay? So, what are indulgences? Here's what an indulgence is. Um, you might be somebody who loves God, and yet you are imperfect, right? And being imperfect, being an imperfect person, you cannot enter a perfect heaven. 
And in their, in their idea, in their game plan, the way that you dealt with your sin issue is that you went to the priest and you confessed your sins. And if you confessed your sins to the priest, the priest could give you some little assignment to do and the priest could offer you absolution for your sins. But as imperfect as you are, no doubt there would be sins that you would not even remember. And so everyone is gonna have to spend some time in the penalty box, what they call purgatory. And the church came up with a plan to minimize and even eliminate purgatory for you. So what you could do is this. You could, for a few coins, you could get a loved one out of purgatory, or you could even pay ahead to where when you died, you wouldn't have to go to purgatory, all right? So think about this. If you could get absolution for your sins ahead of time, okay? Not a bad deal, right? Well, they, they sold really well. And there was a, a gentleman by the name of, 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 of Johann Tetzel who came to Wittenberg and he was very good at selling these things. And so on the steps of the church, he would stand and he would tell the peasants, I can hear your uncle crying from hell. I can hear your grandfather. He's weeping from purgatory. Would you not do something to help your loved one that's in pain, that's in agony? And people are buying these indulgences left and right. And Martin Luther becomes aware of this. And he is so filled with righteous indignation, he says, something has to be done. And so he sat, no doubt, October 28th, 2017, October 29th, 2000, uh, October 29th, uh, 1517, he's writing out and he's writing these 95 theses or these 95 statements. Listen. I love the church, I care about the church, but this has got to change. This has got to change, this has got to change. We, we can't have this. He, he, he makes this statement to the Pope. He says, Pope, you've got such incredible wealth, why don't you pay for the basilica to be built? Better yet, wouldn't we, be be wouldn't we better be better served, Pope, if instead of building this big basilica, if you did something to reach out to the poor? You see, in that time, in 1517, the Catholic Church owned more than 50% of the property that made up the Holy Roman Empire. And Luther, he just felt something needed to be done. And so he, he wrote out these 95 statements. The reason that he did it, he wasn't calling for a revolution. He simply wanted an academic debate to take place. And so what he did is he wrote out these 95 statements and then he went to the door of the church, the castle church in Wittenberg, Germany, and he nails them on the door. Now he doesn't do this as an act of defiance. The, 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 the door of the, of the castle church at Wittenberg, putting something on the door, it's the equivalent of putting something on the community bulletin board. That's where they posted everything. 
And so this had been done by many people many times before, and it wasn't even given a second thought. In fact, when Luther did this, he felt he needed to do something, but he pretty much knew that nothing would ever come of it, right? Because nobody ever pays attention to the stuff that's up there on the bulletin board. Even today, you go to Starbucks and you see that community bulletin board. Do you sit there and study it? No, you just kind of glance at it while you're waiting for your, for, for, for your decaf, you know, latte, whatever drink you drink. And uh, I'm obviously not very well versed on those things. Um, here's what, okay, here, here's what I get. I get a venti chai tea extra hot. So as I'm waiting for my, my venti chai tea extra hot, I'm glancing and I'm singing, oh, free yoga. So there we go. And, and I'm not really excited about free yoga, but if it's free yogurt, that'd be a different story. So he, he tacks to, the, to, to the, the door of the Castle Church of Wittenberg. And yet, what seemed like a simple act to him was a significant moment for the kingdom. Because unknown to Martin Luther, a new invention had arrived in Germany, the Gutenberg Press. And without Luther's permission and without his knowledge, a group of printers took his 95 thesis and they transformed it into a leaflet. That in less than a month, that leaflet made its way all the way to Spain. And then it, it, it ignited this thing that we now know as the Reformation. Now, this is the reason why you're in a church. There, there are, in, in Christianity, there are two main branches of Christianity. There's the Catholic Church and the, and, and the Protestant Church, okay? Now, we say Protestant. Really, what it is, it's Protestant, Okay? The protesters. And so we are a part of that Protestant movement, that movement that says, listen, we're not satisfied with just playing church. We're not satisfied for religion that lacks substance. We're, we're not satisfied with being a part of something that's more concerned about social standing than it is spiritual condition. Something has to be changed. The church and its approach has to be reformed. I'll tell you what I'm convinced of. I'm convinced that 500 years later, it's time for another reformation. Let me say that again. I'm convinced that 500 years later, it's time for another reformation. And it starts with such simplicity. I want you to take your Bibles and turn to Ephesians chapter 4. In Ephesians chapter 4, the Apostle Paul says this. He says, so I tell you this and insist on it in the Lord. Can, can, you, can you sense the passion in what he's communicating? So I tell you this and insist on it in the Lord. You must no longer live the way that you're living. See that there in, 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 in Ephesians 4.17? You can't live this way. 
can't live as the, as, as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to every kind of impurity with a continual lust for more. Let me read this to you again and recognize that what Paul writes here is timeless and it is massively applicable today. Hear the voice of the Lord speaking out to you, church. Hear the voice of God speaking out to you, saint. Recognize the tenderness of the Holy Spirit tugging at you and saying that it's time for you to break out of the routine. It's time for you to break free of some old habits and develop a new paradigm. So I tell you this and insist on it in the Lord that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do. See, the Word of God tells us this. It says that we're supposed to come, uh, come out from among them and be separate, right? Come, this, is what, this is what God's Word says. Come out from among them and be separate, saith the Lord. Touch no unclean thing and I will come unto you and I will make you my sons and my daughters. Now, the danger is this is that we can take scriptures in an isolated fashion and develop an unhealthy agenda that is just as bad as a worldly, ungodly approach. In fact, I would argue this, that legalism has done more damage to the cause of Christ than a lot of the world vices. Because it gives people a misunderstanding and a distorted view of who God is. And if you read the totality of what Paul wrote, Paul spoke passionately against legalism. Right? Over and over again, he comes down hard against the church. He comes down hard against issues of legalism. But he does challenge us that we have to live in genuine holiness. And what is genuine holiness? It's walking in this life-giving, love-fulfilling relationship with an almighty God that influences and impacts everything that we do. It should impact the way that we work. It should impact the relationships that we have. It should impact the media that we allow intake. It should impact the way that people perceive us. Because we are indeed the salt of the earth, the light of the world. So what does it look like? And one of the things that I love about the Apostle Paul is when the Apostle Paul gives us a directive, he always explains it. Should be as no surprise to us because when he's writing, he's writing under the anointing of the Holy Spirit. And so God speaks to us through the writing of Paul and he says this. He says, listen, you did not come to know Christ this way. Surely you heard of him and were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self. To put off your old self. This is what, this is what we individually need to do today. This is what we collectively need to do today. We need to put off our old self. See, I'm convinced of this. I'm convinced that my life should look different than the people around me. And I love the fact that Martin Luther was not willing simply to go along to get along. 
Martin Luther and, and those who embraced what he wrote when he, when he tacked those 95 theses onto the wall, they weren't simply willing to accept that which was happening around them. When confronted with it, Martin Luther took a very opposite road of what so many in that day took. See, Martin Luther was not the first person to speak against the excesses of the church. Martin Luther was not the first person to point out the doctrinal and missional drift of the body of Christ in the 16th century. And what would happen is this, is whenever anyone would speak, the church would work to quiet them, to punish them, to discredit them, and ultimately, if they had to, they would put them to death. And when Martin Luther was confronted, they were convinced that what he would do is he would just, he would fade back into the fabric of the church as so many before him had. And yet Luther said this, he said, I want you to know that I embrace the teaching of Johann Huss, John Huss. He said, I am a Hussite. He said, in fact, we're all Hussites. Okay, John Huss was a guy who pointed out the wrongs of the church and they branded him a heretic and burned him at the stake. And Martin Luther made this statement publicly. He said, I am a follower of the guy that you have branded at a heretic and burned at the stake. You want to talk about putting yourself on the point. You want to talk about putting yourself at risk. You want to talk about making a public statement. But to change our world, friends, we have to go public. To change our world, we have to make bold statements. To change our world, we have to be committed to doing whatever it takes to bring about impact. And that starts with shifting from an old way of living to a new way of living, to an old way of thinking to a new way of thinking, from an old way of acting to a new way of acting. So I tell you this and and insist on it in the Lord. You're to be an imitator of God. That's what, that's what the beginning of Ephesians 5 says. But, but look at this. You were taught with regard to your former way of life. This is Ephesians 4.22. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires. That's really, that's the, that's the big challenge as it relates to the old self. This issue of deceitful desires. I am, I will tell you that I'm not immune to this. I I have those, I have those, those situations in my life, those moments, right, where my motivation isn't the most pure. Now, part of my, part of my daily devotional life every morning. I do this every morning. I pray five things, okay? Now, there, there are other things that I pray for. Like, I'll pray for you. I've got a, I've got a, a list of things that I pray for, but I, I've got this statement that I, that I say every day when I pray. And, and I've done this for, um, since, since Jody and I were married, I, I've done this for about just under 32 years. I started a little while after we got married. And I pray this every day. I pray, God, let, today, let my motivation be pure, I want to do what I do for the right reason. Let my methods be professional. 
I want to represent the church and I want to represent my God well and let my message be prophetic. God, I don't just want to get up and say something because I have to say something. I want to have a word from you when I speak. I want to I I faithfully bring your message. Then, then the other two things I, I, I pray have to do with my family. I pray this every day. God, help me to make Jody feel like a queen today and help my, help my, my home to be filled with love and laughter. Right? So I, every day, it's, it's part of my, my mantra, part of my dogma, if you'll allow me that expression, that I say, God, let my motivation be pure. And even though that's my prayer, that's not always the case. When I get together with other pastors and they ask the question, so, so, so Ed, what's Calvary running now? You know what? I want to say to them, ah, we're running 4,000, 5,000. I want to say that. It's not true, but it's what I want to say. Uh, and, uh, and it's, there is, there is pressure to, there's pressure to, um, to give uh, an inflated answer. In the church world, we call it an evangelistic answer. Uh, in, in, in the rest of the world, they call it lying. Right? And there are, there are times, let me just say this, there are times I want my friends, I want my ministry friends to be impressed by what I'm doing, okay? I want them to go, man, Ed, you are one of the best pastors in America. Uh, and, and, uh, and, and it's real easy to get, it's real easy to get sucked into that, right? For people to go, you're, like, you're the best. You're not just the best, you're the best of the best. Like there's, there isn't anybody better than you. And, and it's, it's easy for me to get, it's easy for me to get sucked into that. And, and it's also easy for me to rationalize it. I mean, Peter, should, shouldn't we want to reach more people in Orlando? Right? Robert, shouldn't, shouldn't we want to have impact that stretches beyond Orlando and, 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 and a church that's, that's impacting the culture of our nation and, and changing uh, the, w- the way our world looks at Jesus? Right? So it's real easy for, for me to rationalize and even justify my desires. Listen, I'm not wanting this new boat for me. I'm wanting this new boat because I know that it will help me to better connect with my neighbors and better share Jesus with them. Right? Listen, it's not too late to get me a birthday gift. And I'm telling you, I think I would be a much better pa- pastor with that Tesla Model 3. I, I just think that people would say... See, it's real easy to get sucked into that, right? It's real easy to get sucked into those deceitful desires. I would be a better person if, or I deserve this, right? I deserve this. I told myself that yesterday. I, um, so on Friday, I ran eight miles, and so yesterday, uh, when I opened up the refrigerator and saw a decent amount of the pumpkin bars that Jody had made me for my birthday, I said, I deserve those. And you know what I did deserve? I deserved how I felt after I ate eight pumpkin bars. And so that was the only thing I really deserved. We're told that we're supposed to put off our old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires and to be made new in the attitude of our minds. Right? It's, it's deceitful desires and destructive thoughts that, that can keep us captive. 
And if, if, if we're not careful, those deceitful desires and those destructive thoughts, what they'll do is this, is they'll lead to unhealthy communication and even to d- divisive relationships. L- look at this as we continue to read. It tells us this, therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to his neighbor. For we are all members of one body. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you're still angry. And do not give the devil a foothold. He who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work doing something useful with his own hands that he may have something to share with those in need. Well, I want to speak to a moment for, for a minute because what can happen is this. It's really easy for us to read Scripture. And to gloss over things and go, well, that's not me. Okay? He who is stealing or she who is stealing must steal no longer. So, anybody here consider yourself a thief? Don't raise your hand. Okay? Or maybe you should raise your hand. That way the lady next to you knows to protect her purse. Right? We don't typically, we don't typically refer to ourselves as thieves. And yet, when we'll, when we'll modestly overcharge a customer, when we'll, when we'll enlarge a deduction on our income tax statement, when we'll steal from God by not being obedient with the tithe. Right? The Word of God says this. And, and, and here's the thing. People think that all the church cares about is money anyway, so I might as well go there. The Bible says this. It says the first tenth of everything that you receive belongs to God. And that God has given it to you to where you can, in an expression of dedication and faithfulness, re- return that first tenth to Him. And that when you do, it redeems the rest. So when I'm not being obedient with the tithe, I'm stealing. When I'm not treating a customer properly, I'm stealing. When I'm fudging a little bit in my income tax, I'm stealing. You know what somebody who steals is? They're a thief. And so God... Please don't let us take a defensive posture towards your word, but let us take a tender posture. What what you want to do in in challenging us and changing us and molding us and making us. See, I'm convinced that you're here because you want to be a better woman. I'm convinced that you're here because you want to be a better man. I'm convinced that you're here because of this work that the Holy Spirit is doing within you. And it's time for you to put off the old self. It's time for you to, to break out of some of those old habits and step into a new paradigm. Because it's quite possible that this little thing that you do that you think really won't make that big of a difference 
your shift, your change could be the very thing that God plans to use to ignite the next reformation. Let me bring our time together to a close with this. Don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with, with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness. Get rid of all rage. Get rid of all brawling and slander along with every other form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as in Christ God forgave you. Be imitators of God, therefore, as dearly loved children. And live a life as, of love just as Christ loved us. Martin Luther came to the conclusion that he couldn't just go along with the crowd. He said, something has to be done. We live in a time where man can take high-powered rifles and position himself above an outdoor concert. And randomly take the lives of those he's never known. We live in a world that is becoming increasingly disconnected. and increasingly angry. We live in a time when compassion is needed, but it's hard to find. We live in a time where the church is growing faster than it ever has. Evangelical Christianity around the world is growing at three times the rate of population. The church has never grown faster than what it's growing right now. I know there are a lot of people that think that the church, the church is on a downwards, downward slide. The church is not on a downward slide. The church has never grown faster than what it's growing right now. 
Islam is only growing at the rate of population growth around the world. Evangelical Christianity is growing at three times the rate of population growth. However, we've lost our impact with culture because folks are coming in but we're not going out. And my prayer is this, is that God would speak to each one of us individually and say, God, work through me to cause a reforming to take place. A new paradigm, a new way of doing things. A new approach. And here's, here's what Martin Luther was about. He says, I'm not interested in destroying the church. I simply think it's important that we be the church. So here, here's my closing thought to you. I think it's time that you stop going to church. Say that again. You might want to write it down. You can tell people. My pastor told me that it's time for us to stop going to church. But don't tell them that without telling them my next statement. It's time for you to start being the church. See, that's, that's what Luther, that's what Luther was saying to everyone who would hear. It's time that we start being the church. Luther had no idea how important and how timely that decision of his was. He had no idea the thousands and tens of thousands of people that it would impact in his day. And the over a billion people who have come to know Christ through the evangelical church since that day. That simple act of Martin Luther impacted the spiritual destiny of over a billion lives. Biggest viral video on YouTube. I, I showed you a video, nine million views. 14 million views, 22 million views, 140 million views. Biggest viral video, six billion views. And it happened like that. See, I think that if you and you and you you and you and you and you stop going to church and start being the church I think what happens is this little thing that we have happening here at Calvary I think it goes viral 
I think it goes viral. And friends, this is a viral experience that our city needs. It's a viral experience that our region needs. It's a viral experience that our nation needs. It's a viral experience that our world needs. And it's happened before. It happened with Luther 500 years ago. It happened in the Wesleyan revivals. It happened in America in the 70s, in the Jesus people days. In fact, I'm curious, how many of you here today, you came to Christ during the Jesus people movement? Raise your hand. Okay, so what about this next generation? See, we're not going to have an impact if we're not willing to take a little bit of a risk. Martin Luther took a big risk going, writing his name on that thing. I'm going public with my belief that it should be about more than the institution. That it should be about more than an hour and 30 minutes on a Sunday morning. It's time for you to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, and put on the new self, which is created in Christ and true righteousness. It's time for you to put off falsehood. Stop believing the lies that have been spoken over you and stop communicating lies that you know are untrue. And walk in truth. It's time for our conversation to be full of grace, seasoned with salt, so those that hear will listen. And that no unwholesome talk comes out of our mouth, except for that which is only that which is helpful for building others up for their benefit. And as we walk in this new understanding, as we walk in this new identity, that we rid ourselves of all bitterness, of all rage, of all anger, of all malice. And that we, that we truthfully become imitators of Christ. It's time for a reformation. God, I pray right now, I, I pray that there would be no person in this room that's left unchallenged, that's left unchanged. And God, I acknowledge today that we live in a world of augmented reality. The enemy has been able to skew our perspective about who we are, about what the church is supposed to look like, of how we're supposed to be engaged in our world, And God, I thank you that you are using this time, this season, this moment to bring a seismic shift in each of our hearts. A new understanding to each of our minds and a new determination to each one of our will. So do that work, God, right now in our mind, in our emotion, and in our will. That we would be what you desire us to be.
God, there's a lot in our world today that it goes viral when unintended. But God, we want to be very intentional about what we do. Let the reality of who you are, let it go viral in our day. And God, use us as the catalyst. We commit it to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening. We hope you've been blessed by the ministry of Calvary Orlando. We invite you to join us in person at Calvary Orlando for one of our Sunday morning worship experiences each Sunday at 1030 a.m. To find out more about Calvary, please visit our website at calvaryorlando.org. Here you can find our latest events and ministry opportunities. Thanks for listening and God bless.